0: You take a seed,
1: you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plan it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. And it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform.
2: I smoke hot and I like it a lot.
1: The Russ Bellville Show. The voice of the marijuana nation. It's like marijuana got to be legalized. Good people smoke marijuana. Now, here's your host,
3: Radical Ross Bellville, Good day, tokers and and non toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2017 and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. It's episode number 898 and coming up on today's show, our guest is cannabis CEO and consultant Todd Mitchum, here to tell us about LegalizeEffort.com. In our drug war data mining, we will be debunking Trump's border lies from his address to Congress last night. In our Cannabis Focus, we look at how Massachusetts dealers are trying price gouging and cover charges to skirt their marijuana laws. And in the Radical Rant, we'll talk about how maybe a cannabis crackdown is the kick in the ass we need to end federal prohibition. Then, coming up in Hour 2 for our live viewers and listeners, we'll give you an update on the Las Vegas High Times Cannabis Cup. But first, let's get to the Cannabis Headline News.
1: Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis News.
3: This is your Cannabis Headline News for Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. Congressman Tom Garrett, a Republican from Virginia, has introduced legislation aimed at federally decriminalizing marijuana. The short title for this legislation is cited as the Ending Federal Marijuana Prohibition Act of 2017. If passed, this bill would take marijuana off the federal controlled substances list, joining other industries such as alcohol and tobacco. Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat from Hawaii, is serving as the lead original co-sponsor on this bipartisan legislation. Originally introduced by Senator Bernie Sanders in 2015, Garrett anticipates bipartisan support as his legislation makes its way to the appropriate committees of jurisdiction. Colorado Attorney General Cynthia Kaufman said she has invited U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions to come and see the state's recreational pot industry. Kaufman told the Denver Post that the invitation was extended during a meeting Wednesday morning in Washington with Sessions top staffers. Kaufman said, quote, they indicated an interest in doing that. End quote. Kaufman, a Republican, is in Washington for a meeting of the National Association of Attorneys General. Sessions spoke to the group on Tuesday, saying he believes drugs are driving the majority of crime and again expressing his opposition to legalized marijuana. <laughs> The co-chairs of a legislative committee reviewing the state's new recreational marijuana law said Tuesday that that when it comes to taxing sales of the drug, Massachusetts lawmakers will look to strike a balance between raising revenue for the state and discouraging the underground market. During an interview on WBUR-FM, Democratic Representative Mark Cusack said it was important to find the sweet spot for taxing marijuana to avoid, quote, overtaxing and spending people back to the black market, end quote. The law, approved by voters last November, calls for a 3.75% excise tax on recreational pot sales that would be assessed on top of the state's regular 6.25% sales tax. Cities and towns could assess an additional 2% tax on sales within their own communities for a maximum possible total tax of 12%. Marijuana taxes currently range from 20% in Oregon, which has no sales tax, to 37% in Washington, which has state and local taxes as high as 9.9%. Oregon voters overwhelmingly support a proposal to reduce penalties for drug possession according to a new poll. The poll comes as a new bill supported by Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum and the American Civil Liberties Union of Oregon would change small-scale drug possession to a misdemeanor instead of a felony. The poll also found that almost three-quarters, or 73 percent of Oregonians, were more likely to vote for both a district attorney or a sheriff who favors the proposal. Nearly two out of three Oregonians, 64 percent, say they know someone who has struggled with drug addiction. The chair of the Vermont House Judiciary Committee, Representative Maxine Grad, indicated that her committee intends to move forward with consideration of a bill that would make small amounts of marijuana legal for adult use. The bill appears likely to pass the committee in mid-March after the legislature returns from its annual break for Town Meeting Week. It would then face a vote in the full House. The bill would simply eliminate penalties for possessing one ounce or less of marijuana, two mature plants, and four immature plants, as well as the marijuana produced by those plants if stored properly in accordance with the law. Possession of between one and two ounces would become a civil violation, punishable by a fine. The Statehouse on Wednesday backed a much broader expansion of Georgia's medical marijuana law, a statement vote after the Senate backed a similar measure that left many advocates unhappy. House Bill 65 would double the list of qualifying conditions and maintain a THC maximum of 5%. The Senate's measure would lower the max to 3%. HB 65 removes a one-year residency requirement. Additionally, the bill would extend reciprocity to visitors from other states with medical marijuana laws. A new policy in Harris County, Texas that went into effect at midnight Tuesday will allow people caught with up to four ounces of marijuana to avoid arrest or jail time by taking a four hour drug education class. The policy, announced recently by District Attorney Kim Ogg, is expected to save the area more than $25 million in costs for the jail, courts, prosecutors, defense attorneys, lab testing, and officers' time. The program leaves no paper trail or criminal record for the offenders. This has been your Cannabis Headline News for Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. I'm Russ Belville.
1: In the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Belville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day.
0: Hey, Joey! I got some stuff you just gotta try. What is it?
3: Pot. You know, marijuana. Oh, well, I don't know. What, Chicken? Bop, 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 Joey's bop, in a jam What should he do? Get uh, Get a pizza Excellent Get a pizza Ken Get real You got it Let's see if Joey's that smart
0: bop, bop. I'm not chicken You're a turkey
3: He's right Drug dealers are dorks Don't even talk to him.
0: Cowabunga
1: This has been
3: the Rustellville Show's Anti-drug public service announcement of the day exclusively on RadicalRust.com. You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs, we've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at herbagedesigns.com and follow Herb Age and Herb Brasher on Twitter.
1: You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show.
3: Tough on crime, tough on crime, lock them up. But that wasn't the
1: answer. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere.
3: This is Radical Russ Belleville with a word about stone driving. Numerous studies have shown once you factor in age and gender, drivers with cannabis in their system have no statistically greater risk of motor vehicle crashes than sober drivers. But that doesn't mean you ought to be toking and driving. Those studies are referring to people with any amount of THC or metabolite in their system, not people who just smoked marijuana. Simulators and observed demonstrations show that cannabis consumers do develop a tolerance to the impairing effects of marijuana and can perform driving tasks within an acceptable margin of safety. However, infrequent and novice consumers do not and cannot and would be wise to never take and drive. Even regular cannabis consumers should exercise caution before deciding to drive as most state laws punish drivers harshly if they're discovered to have marijuana in their system. This has been a public service announcement from the Russ Belville Show.
1: Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining.
3: Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at a statement by Donald Trump as he addressed the United States Congress last night. In his address to Congress, he said, quote, We've defended the borders of other nations while leaving our own borders wide open for anyone to cross and for drugs to pour in at a now unprecedented rate. We will stop the drugs from pouring into our country and poisoning our youth, end quote. Well, as you know, folks, I look shit up, and most of what he said there is just flat-out wrong. According to the occupant of the White House, our borders, particularly the ones with Mexico, are overrun with illegal immigrants sneaking into the country and bringing with them drugs and crime. And as with much of Donald Trump's rhetoric, it does not square with the reality in which the rest of us exist. So I started with a visit to the website of the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. There, they publish annual performance reports that detail the number of immigrants and the amount of drugs they have seized. The first thing I noticed, despite the bleating from the Trumpists that the Mexicans are coming to take our jobs... It looks as though we're intercepting less than half the amount of immigrants illegally attempting to cross our border as we have since Nixon was president. And uh, let me give you a look at this. Uh, we'll blow this up on the big screen for those of you watching on uh, YouTube to be able to get a look. This is a look at the apprehensions of illegal immigrants by the Border Patrol and uh you can kind of see there, you've got the numbers from 1925 all the way to 2016. And, uh, starting around 1973, we, t- we topped about 400,000 during the middle of the Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush years. We were getting over a million people, uh, on our borders. And then, uh, lately it has dropped dramatically to the point where we're now back around 400,000. So, uh, we are not seizing people at our border at a so-called unprecedented rate. In fact, it's lower than it's been in a long, long time. <laughs> but uh, no, that's not going to uh, uh, stop Donald Trump from uh, proclaiming that it's not the case, of course. Uh, we know how he is bound to stretch the truth on these sorts of things. Uh, but when it comes to the drug information we can uh, give you some in- we can give you some of the stats on that as well uh in the uh in the administration in the uh, customs and border patrol data that we see looking at uh the drugs we find that over the past 6 years the seizures of drugs by the customs and border patrol have declined with marijuana making up all but 1.2% of the drugs that they seize by weight. The amount of marijuana seized has declined every year uh, since the legalization of marijuana in Washington and Colorado. I'll show you the graph on the screen as well. You can see quite easily that we've gone from about 2.5 million pounds being seized to under 1.5 million pounds of drugs being seized in America. And again, most of that's marijuana. If you're looking at the graph and you see nothing but green, that's because the other drugs in red, yellow, blue, purple, and black don't even show up on this graph at this scale because most of the seizures, again, are marijuana. The Washington Post has reported that the farmers in Mexico are turning away from cannabis as a crop because legalization has dropped the price for wholesale Mexican marijuana. This is from the Post, quote, Farmers in the storied Golden Triangle region of Mexico's Sinaloa state, which has produced the country's most notorious gangsters and biggest marijuana harvests, say they are no longer planting the crop. Its wholesale price has collapsed in the past five years from $100 per kilogram to less than $25. Quote, it's not worth it anymore, said Rodrigo Sia, age 50, a lifelong cannabis farmer, who said he couldn't remember the last time his family and others in their t- tiny hamlet gave up growing mota. Continuing, quote, I wish the Americans would stop with this legalization, end quote. So in other words, drugs are not pouring into America at, quote, a now unprecedented rate, at least as long as Donald Trump is considering marijuana a drug. Heroin seizures. Heroin seizures have increased slightly since marijuana legalization. Uh, We can see that via the graph as well. Uh, with about, uh, 500, over 550 pounds being seized. This is pounds, total pounds. Remember, we're talking millions of pounds of marijuana. Uh, but in 2011, it was about 400,000 pounds. Now we're up to around, uh, the, uh, 500, 600 pound mark. And I'm trying to get this, uh, on a screen better for folks to be able to see this. But, uh, so it's not unprecedented, though because there were more seizures of heroin at the border in 2014 than there were in 2016. So, not unprecedented. However, part of this can be traced to the legalization of marijuana, killing the profits of the Mexican-grown cannabis, because those farmers now are turning instead to produce opium. As the Washington Post notes, quote, Mexican heroin is flooding north as U.S. authorities, trying to contain an epidemic of prescription painkiller abuse, have tightened controls on synthetic opiates such as hydrocodone and Oxycontin. As the pills become more costly and difficult to obtain, Mexican trafficking organizations have found new markets for heroin in places such as Winchester, Virginia, and Brattleboro, Vermont, where until recently, needle use for narcotics was rare or unknown. But before we go blaming marijuana for the increase in In the use of heroin in this country, let's remember who's really to blame this demand. The United States, by the way, has 80 percent, uses 80 percent of all the painkillers that are produced in the world. And this demand has been fueled by the drug companies that produce legal pharmaceutical opiates like Oxycontin and Vicodin because they were unleashed by the DEA's Office of Diversion Control to produce greater and greater quantities of these addictive opiates. The chart on your screen shows that since 1996, the beginning of the medical cannabis era, Oddly enough, since 1996, there's been a six hundred twenty nine percent increase in the quotas for hydrocodone, a two thousand three hundred ninety eight percent increase in the quotas for oxycodone and a four hundred two percent increase in the quotas for morphine. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the reasoning given by the office of diversion control to allow the pharmaceutical companies to increase those opiate quotas was specifically so that people addicted to opiates wouldn't upset the supply for the legal users. This quote that was from a salon article in 2011 speaking to DEA supervisory special agent Gary Boggs asking why in the midst of this epidemic, and this is a 2011, remember, why in the midst of this increase problem with opiates? Are we increasing the amount that the companies are allowed to make? He said, quote, what you have to understand is that you do have legitimate patients and they're fishing from the same pond that the illegitimate patients are fishing from. So you have to be cautious not to restrict the quota to the point that when the legitimate parties go to the pool, all the fish haven't been taken out by the illegitimate parties. You got that? The legal drug manufacturers have to in, have to be allowed to manufacture far more drugs than the legal users need to make sure the illegal drug users don't use them all. Funny how that excuse doesn't work for Eddie Lep's cannabis farm. Huh. We Well, we had to grow 30,000 pot plants so all the potheads could get their marijuana so that when the patients came to get some, there'd still be some left for them. So what other drugs might Donald Trump be saying are responsible for this uh, uh, unprecedented level of drugs coming across our border? Could it be cocaine? Well, looking at the cocaine graph also shows that uh, other than a spike in 2015, uh, there was uh, less cocaine seized at the border over the past three out of four years than previous. So that's not unprecedented. What else could it be? Well, when it comes to the drugs that could be causing Donald Trump to say we have an unprecedented amount pouring across the border, the only drug for which that makes any sense is methamphetamine, which indeed we have seen an an increase in the amount of methamphetamine coming from over our border. It's doubled uh, over the past uh, few years from about 4,000 pounds to over 8,000 pounds. But a lot of the reason behind this The uh, website Insight Crime, they focus on Latin American crime trends, point out that according to the United Nations, uh, Mexican authorities seized over 19 tons of meth in 2014, a 34% increase from the previous year, and seizures of meth at the U.S. border have increased by a factor of three since 2009. Uh, Meth is increasingly being diluted in a liquid solvent, making the drug harder to detect. But... Is it the meth that is poisoning our youth uh, that Trump is referring to? Or is it the marijuana? Looks
1: like I picked the wrong
3: week to quit smoking. When we look at the statistics for the drugs being used by kids that aren't marijuana, it's down since the beginning of this century. It's the lowest it's ever been recorded this century. Only marijuana use remains high among the youth. So when he says we'll stop drugs from pouring into the country and poisoning our youth, I'm afraid he's talking about marijuana, folks.
0: You're not high.
1: You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show.
0: Well, when the president does it, that means that
1: it is not illegal. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. warning hits taken on this show are larger than they appear do not try this at home these people are professionals <coughs> or at least they aim you to say that are you sure this is legal i don't know it's fun though isn't it? a public service message from the russ bellville show The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
3: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at the clever ways in which entrepreneurs are trying to get around marijuana not being legal. (laughs) And it happens even in the states that have legalized marijuana. It's interesting. Uh, There's a story coming out of uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. Just found this on MassLive.com and the city council there in Springfield is up in arms over a marijuana store that's offering free handouts basically what's happened is there's a store called Mary Jane makes your heart sing (laughs) Okay, Mary Jane makes your heart sing that is kind of a, a cannabis club and they are charging a $20 cover charge a sign on the store's door states Upon entry, please head to the cashier to pay the cover charge of $20 non-refundable. Prior to exiting, you'll receive your free sample or $20 toward your purchase. So they're selling other stuff in there, but not cannabis. Uh, and they're selling uh, uh, $20 uh, uh, cover charge to get in there. And then they'll give you a free eighth or I don't know if it's an eighth. What are they? What are they? What's the total here? Let's find out. Uh, just says a sample. All right. Doesn't say how much. Maybe it's a gram. I don't know. But um the Springfield City Council is pretty upset about this. Uh, the Public Safety Committee Chairman says, quote, clearly this company is skirting the intent of the law. The, uh, another counselor, uh, Counselor Ramos, uh, he's the council president, Orlando Ramos, said, quote, this is clearly an illegal operation and they must be shut down immediately, end quote. And uh, another one, Councillor Michael Fenton, says, quote, I want it shut down now. I have received complaints from constituents. The sale of recreational marijuana is currently prohibited under state law and subject to a moratorium that we passed here in Springfield, end quote. So the city of Springfield doesn't want weed sales. The state of Massachusetts is delaying their weed sales and entrepreneurs are stepping up and trying these little loopholes the cover charge loophole. This is one that's been used by cannabis cafes and, and pot lounges out West uh, to varying degrees of success, but uh, to do so, so blatantly uh, has set these guys up, I believe for failure. Um, there are clubs I know in the, in the West here where there is a daily door charge or there is a monthly uh, membership fee that you pay. And, they bill themselves as bring your own buds, right? Bring your own stuff and you can smoke it in here or on the patio or whatever it might be. But it's kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge known that people are bringing enough for themselves and leaving some in the club. And the people that work at the club are bringing a little bit too. And guys that are... Uh, extract artists or edible creators or uh, growers are bringing theirs to ha- have in the club for people to sample so that when they go to a dispensary, they might want to buy this or that or the other thing. So everybody kind of knows that you, you buy this membership, you pay this door charge, and you're going to get high. Somebody's going to give you something. You're going to have to be a real wallflower to not get invited into a circle. That's how you get away with that. <laughs> you don't make it so obvious as come in here, pay your money, and before you leave, we'll give you weed. That, I'm afraid, is going to get shut down. And then, the, the, then there's the other uh, tactic, the price gouging tactic, uh, where, uh, what is that company? I forgot their name already, Jalapeno somebody, but they're, they're selling Jalapeno lemonade for $55. And... You'll get a free bit of marijuana gift along with that, right? You get a free eighth. So, this, of course, is going to run afoul of price gouging because the lawmakers are going to say, all right, what is, law enforcement, I should say, is going to say, all right, what is the fair market value of a cup of lemonade? They're going to find it's between a buck or three bucks, five bucks maybe, you know, in the below five bucks range. So, it's going to be obvious that you're charging $55 that you're really charging 50 bucks for the marijuana. And then that's going to get shut down. And this is going to happen when marijuana is legalized or even decriminalized because you'll have the same thing going on in Washington, DC with its grow and give it's legal to give as long as it's legal for people to give marijuana to one another. Somebody's going to try a loophole that turns a gift into a sale or a trade. It's always going to happen. Now, you can't have a decrim or a legalization without the giving being legal because that's how people use marijuana. They give it to one another. They share. They pass a joint. So if you don't allow that, you don't allow the sharing of less than an ounce, you've criminalized passing a joint. Now It's not likely anyone's ever going to get prosecuted for that, but it still would remain a criminal penalty. So as these shenanigans keep happening... And and I'm not trying to cast a judgment on them. I've, hell, I'd buy the uh, $20 to go into the Springfield Club. I'd pay 55 bucks for the lemonade to get some weed. Sounds safer than going to a park or dealing with the illegal market, right? But uh, uh, the more these happen, the more the next states that legalize, especially the ones that do so legislatively, are going to be looking for ways to close those loopholes. And I'm afraid they might do so By not allowing the sharing of cannabis to be able to get away, get away from that, you know, free gift loophole. We shall see. All right. Stay tuned, folks, because coming up at the bottom of the hour, right after this break, we've got cannabis CEO and consultant Todd Mitchum. You know him from uh, Hi There. You know him from Open Vape and other companies. He's got a new project he's all about, and uh, we're going to talk about that and his uh, interpretation of what's going on at the federal level right after this.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show.
0: Drugs take away the dream from every child's heart and replace it with a nightmare.
1: Okay, maybe you're high,
3: too. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. Mark Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabisness Chronicles. All right, welcome back, everybody. 30 after the hour. And joining us today for the Cannabisness Chronicles, we are speaking with the former CEO of Hi There, the former CEO of uh, Open Vape. His name is Todd Mitchum. He is a cannabis consultant and uh, an entrepreneur who's been working in this space for a very, very long time. And uh, we even uh, have run into each other at a whole bunch of different events. Uh, Todd Mitchum, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here.
2: Yeah, glad to be there.
3: Hello, Todd. Uh, So uh, I got an email from uh, one of your public relations folks talking about a new venture you guys are interested in. Uh, That's something I'm interested in as well, now that we've got this new administration that seems to want to revive the old just-say-no days of the 1980s. I wanted to get your take on that and give us a a preview of, of what's coming up next in Todd Mitchum's world.
2: OK, great. Oh, great. Should I go ahead and launch into it? Go right ahead. Yeah, well, there are a couple of things. I think if you look at um, the current administration, while there can be some reason for the industry and consumers to be concerned, I think there's also some opportunity there for us. And, and we've been working on for the last several months um, a proposal for this administration that would create over a million and a half jobs over the next two years utilizing the marijuana industry as well as giving a clear, stable path to legalization. Now, there's a lot of work ahead, so I'm not not pretending that it's easy or that it's not going to require a lot of heavy lifting. But we have a team of people that are incredibly solid at what they do, top lobbying firm that has worked with the Trump administration uh, prior to him being elected, uh, a top PR official. We're, We're really out there moving very quickly and very focused On a full legalization effort and we're very proud of what we've come up with so far and we feel like there's some opportunity here that um, that other teams and other folks are missing Um, so I, I think you know you as well as others who listen to your show would agree that that the legalization efforts over the years although everyone has put forth their best effort we always end up not being able to quite get it over the finish line and so we have approached this as a business solution and we think that'll that will be the the best shot the industry and consumers have for legalization.
3: So the the website explaining what's going on here is called legalizeeffort.com and uh, what, yeah. what what are some of the points? What are some of the uh, the
0: differences? Well, I think the
2: key point yeah, I think the key point here is that that site is driven by consumers. You know, we have a lot of um, of especially service members who are coming forward and saying they really want to help fund the effort. Um, they're a part of it. Consumers need a voice and, and, you know, shows like yours and people like you who are out there really working uh, on behalf of the consumer, on behalf of the, the advocates out there, uh, you know, we wanted to give consumers a voice. We wanted to give them an opportunity to donate to, to a cause we believe has the best shot of working. And, uh, and so we built that site that, that lays out basically what our team is, who they are, what we're doing, how we're accomplishing the mission And, and people can donate to be a part of that effort. There would be nothing better in my mind, and I'm not, I don't know if you would agree, but it'd be nothing better in my mind anyway that, than to have consumers, um, back and pay for and be a part of a legalization effort that was actually successful. Um, certainly we, we welcome the industry or other people to be involved. We have funded everything on our own so far. And and so we, we were giving citizens and consumers a chance to be involved. And, and I think I think if you really think about uh, legalization, that's who that's who we really focus on here. Is we want to make sure consumers get quality products that they're that they're told what's in those products, that they are protected at every level of the legalization effort. And so that's why we're giving uh, consumers a chance to be involved.
3: So is there a, a particular angle that's being employed here that is new to this effort Uh, you mentioned something about the economics of this and that's been something that's driven a lot of these efforts uh, uh, of legalization in the eight states that have it so far is the promise of tax revenue and jobs and so forth Uh, can you elaborate on that yeah i think part of what's
2: been missing here russ is that people have forgotten first of all who we're working with in this administration this is a business focused united states first mentality that we can't ignore and protest our way to success we have to find collaborative means to educate and communicate lawmakers on both sides of the aisle as we've always tried to do but in this sense we need to approach this as a conservative business solution that uh, even the most right of the republican party can say okay wait a minute i actually see that it's a good idea to uh to do this for the reasons you're outlining so We took a business approach. We said, look, number one, we're not going to ignore unintended consequences. So we we may have driving issues. We may have impairment issues. We have to educate children and parents, and we get that. We're not going to ignore that part of the effort. Um, We know that these products will need standards. They will need quality checks. They will need these companies to build consistency into their product lines. We respect that. We understand that. We're focused on that. So what we did is we built standards based on the industry and, and what we knew of the industry and what I know of the industry of my years of experience, and we built standards and, and we presented these standards as part of a 38 page proposal. We think it's very robust. It's, it's changing all the time, but part of it is that idea that you can't have legalization without an understanding and an articulation of what people complain about with legalization, which are those standards and consumer protection issues that I talked about. So we approached it from a business-centric standpoint. We, of course, talked about what we've always talked about, which is revenue and taxes and things like that, but it's not enough. We had to talk about the job potential. We had to talk about hemp as well. We had to bring that into the discussion and say, you know, there was a report last week that the American Farmers there's a, there are fewer American farmers now than when we expanded west in this country. So it gives farmers a chance to put themselves back to work with both hemp and cannabis legalization. So we, we included many more pieces of the puzzle that, that usually people, and, and you and I have talked about this numerous times, a lot of times the industry picks a faction that it believes in. It says, I'm for medical, or it says, I'm for recreational, or it says, I'm for hemp only, or I'm just for CBD. Forgetting the fact that all this comes together under the same umbrella. And so we have to articulate each stage of legalization and what this plant means in its true, in my words, diverse fashion. This is unlike any substance on earth. So we have to be smart, I think, about that. And that's what we did. We approached it as a business. We approached it with business solutions. We talked, you know, we've talked very heavily and we'll continue to. Uh, if, if the administration is focused on America first, this is an America first product. This is, uh, you know, grown by Americans, produced by Americans, workers that are American. Um, so we we just approached it based on on their tenets of how they are running the current government, and uh, and that's what's gotten the traction so far.
3: So, uh, with legalizeeffort.com and the uh, project behind it being, uh, focused at the federal level and kind of tailored yeah. toward the Trump administration, uh, being in office, being America first, being pro-business, uh, what, yeah. how, how do you tackle what we're hearing from the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, who still spouts things like yeah. the Gateway Theory and not your father's woodstock sure. weed and all of that, uh, reefer madness? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you
2: know, Russ, I, we, we put a lot of thought into this. And part of what we realize is that the parallels are, are very similar to when Colorado was trying to uh, bring uh, recreational forward. There were the same type of arguments at the state level. There were the same discussions and disgruntled, uninformed feelings at, at every state that tried to um, move forward with a full legalization strategy. And And the key to that is – number one, you don't take a divisive defensive approach. You take a reasonable approach. You sit down and you say, I understand you don't understand the current face of the industry. You don't understand the consumer base. You probably just also need education around the plant itself. And we agree that's an education. But in order to do that, you can't do that by going into Jeff Sessions office and lighting a joint and (laughs) complaining that it's not legal. (laughs) You have to sit down with your suit on in a rational, reasonable tone and say, sir, may I explain to you what's really going on? Can I show you some things that are really happening? Let's introduce you to some real people. Let's have you really get involved. You know, I I sat at an attorney general conference last summer with the attorney general of Nebraska, uh, Oregon, you know, many attorneys general. We had a very candid conversation both about the positivity of legalization, and the concerns, And what won them over, even the ones from the states that did not want marijuana in their state, what won them over in the discussion was that I said, listen, I know you don't want it, but when it happens, you're going to need help. You're going to need information, and that's where we come in. And that reasonable approach is what works. It's when, it's when you say, look, I'm not against you. I'm not fighting against you. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not going to protest. But I am going to sit down and help you understand this, why it's good for the country, why it's good for citizens, and why it's good for the government. And, and when you do that, when you know our experience has been, and I've, you, know, you know I've been in this quite a while, not as long as you, but I've been in this a while and have worked in many facets of the industry and with government. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, when I sit down with government agencies, and regulators, and I have a rational, real discussion. And I talk in one breath about why legalization is important and how it's going to help workers and how it's going to help consumers and patients. And in the next breath, I'm saying, and I agree with you, that we need to focus also on educating children, on educating parents, not in the same rhetoric that you and I are familiar with from, you know, the prohibitionist rhetoric, but from a position of actual intelligence around the issues. You know, when... Is, is marijuana going to be safe for young people? When is it safe for patients? What, what do kids need to know about it? What do parents need to know about it? You know, and that education to me is a critical stage here. And I think what has happened in the past, and it's no one's fault. It's just, you know, we're, I'm thankful that people were protesting in the early days. I'm thankful that those pioneers went out and risked their livelihood and their lives to get everything where it is. I'm very thankful for that. At the same time, I'm also, I have a great understanding of what it takes to work within a regulatory structure and actually get a government to pay attention. And that takes a whole different approach. That's rational, especially with this administration. That's a conversation. That's a discussion from a business perspective. It's clearly not through
3: protest. It's uh, amazing ideas you got going here at uh, LegalizeEffort.com. Todd Mitchum, a veteran from uh, numerous uh, cannabis uh, firms. Uh, we know you from OpenVape. Yeah. We know you from High There, a bunch of other ventures. Uh, follow him at Todd Mitchum with an E on the end, E-M, Todd Mitchum on Twitter. And are there any other uh, websites or Facebook stuff you'd like to give out?
2: No, I think that's it. I think we want to get really focused here. What I encourage, Russ, is all your listeners, especially those consumers out there who are saying, we're getting frustrated with this, we're getting concerned. I would ask them, you know, go to that site, participate, get a hold of us, talk through this solution. And when they see us out there, you know, we're doing, we're scheduling all kinds of things like town halls and things in different communities. When we're there, come out and support this, come out and communicate with us. So what we want to hear from also are consumers. We want the consumers to tell us what kind of framework they're looking for. What kind of legalization are they looking for? What are the benefits to them in their community? If they live in a state where, um, where marijuana is legal and cannabis is thriving and, and they have some positive stories, we want to hear those. They have medical stories, we want to
3: hear those. Todd Mitchum, thank you.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
0: It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert The TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wank concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts. From the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors, and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
2: Total war against public enemy public. number one. Ten number one. federal criminal penalties for one ounce of marijuana. So marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. That's 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 legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and then and This is not medicine. This is a teaching challenge. Encourage people to use less drugs. Use less I admit. Really. That was it's the point. I think it would be a mistake to make a mistake. Negative reports coming out of coverage of cutting Don't smoke marijuana.
3: Well, it's been uh, an interesting week as we've heard from the attorney general, Jeff Sessions. We've heard from Donald Trump and we heard from Sean Spicer the week before. Uh, delivering rhetoric that seems to signal a ratcheting up of the war on drugs. A return to the Just Say No era of Nancy Reagan. We've uh, heard Jeff Sessions talk about it, wax rhapsodically about how great uh, Just Say No drug was. Drug use has dropped
2: dramatically since Nancy Reagan started the Just Say No program and drug use began to steadily reduce, is now beginning to steadily
3: increase. And these guys really do believe that the zero-tolerance federal government attitude toward drugs and marijuana uh, of the 1980s was responsible for a a dramatic decrease in the use of drugs. Well, the stats don't exactly bear that out. What we found throughout the entire uh, term of Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush is that marijuana, uh, people admitting that they had uh, used marijuana, remained steady. Uh, I'm sorry, people arrested for marijuana remained steady. People admitting they used marijuana declined, but there's no way of telling whether use actually declined. When a administration becomes very authoritarian and uh, very zero tolerance toward drug use, it's hard to know that, the decline you see is due to a decline in drug use or a decline in people being willing to admit that they use drugs. It may just be driving drug use underground and driving people who have problems with drug use to not want to admit that, to not want to reach out for help. It's something that could exacerbate the problems of drug addiction. Nevertheless, these people believe that um, having a zero-tolerance approach is going to lead to less marijuana use, being tolerant of medical marijuana and legalization is leading to more marijuana use, and they believe that marijuana use is the gateway drug that leads to hard drugs. They go on to more serious drugs, which tends to happen. You can deny it if you want
2: to, but it tends to happen. There will be even greater causes, And it's false that marijuana use doesn't lead people to more drug use.
3: And they really think that this gateway is what's to blame for the uh, heroin epidemic that we're facing.
2: These are the kind of things that we're going to see throughout the country, and you'll see cocaine and heroin uh, increase more than it would have, I think, had we not talked about it.
3: And we've got the same sort of rhetoric coming from Sean Spicer, the the same sort of rhetoric coming from Donald Trump, uh, where they are clearly signaling that they've got a problem with marijuana. Now, a lot of this is couched in the we're going to go after the drug cartels. Okay, uh, Donald Trump, uh, when he had his address yesterday to uh, the joint session of Congress, said, let me get the quote back up here we will stop the drugs from pouring into our country and poisoning our youth and that we're going to go after uh, the cartels. Now, keep in mind that under the Controlled Substances Act, everybody who's a legal pot grower, legal pot processor, or legal pot retailer is currently a cartel. Is currently engaged in corrupt activities, things that can be prosecuted under RICO, the uh, uh, Corrupt uh, Organizations Act, the Anti, uh, Anti-Mob Act, right? So it doesn't give me much hope when they say, oh, well, we're going after the cartels. Well, legally, <laughs> every legal pot shop is part of some sort of drug conspiracy. So who's to say what cartel means to them? So over this past few days, past couple of weeks, we've gotten all this terrible rhetoric from the president, from the attorney general, from the White House press secretary that seems to indicate that a federal crackdown on marijuana is imminent. And as I have been expressing this through my articles and through my shows and through my Facebook posts, I get a lot of response back from people. And one of the responses I'm getting quite a bit now is... Nothing's really happened yet. Why are you being so paranoid? Why are you being such a buzzkill? Why are you, Why are you uh, stop being so angry about this, etc.? Right. Let's see if I can find the one quote that someone said. i got to find that one. Uh, why are you doing so much fear-mongering, man? Let's see how it goes before you lose it every day on social media. That's the exact quote for my Facebook. Well, that's a good point. I have been running around. Screaming around with my hair on fire, what little hair I have about what's going on in our country right now, because I'm seriously concerned about it and not just on the marijuana angle. If this were a full scale political talk show, I could go on at length about health care and climate change and immigration and gay rights and all women's rights, uh, all these areas in which I'm terrified for our country. But I'll stick to marijuana at least here in hour one. And the reason why I'm going around exclaiming like I am is because I predicted this. I predicted this would happen. I told people, no matter how bad you think Hillary Clinton is, the people that Trump puts in charge of the government are going to be your worst nightmare. And it's going to come true here in marijuana. So I'm running around screaming about this because the next time it comes around time to vote... And I'm making some of these hair on fire predictions. I hope people will look back and go, oh, yeah, you know what? (laughs) Russ was right about that. Maybe this time we ought to listen to him. So that's part of it. But then I got to thinking. Maybe, just maybe, I was right earlier last year. See, I was originally a Bernie Sanders supporter, and I was one of those Bernie or bust guys. And something I wrote for Huffington Post uh, is the most read thing I've ever written was how I could never vote for Hillary Clinton. And I laid out in great detail how much I disliked Hillary Clinton and all of her policies and so forth. And there were also a few rants that I did uh, throughout like February, March t- uh, era. And they've been replaying. Cause I have a, a, a replay loop that plays before the show and only I can hear it, but I can hear myself in some of these old rants going off. And there was a point I made during that time that I want to bring back here to this rant just so I can play. Well, what's the opposite of devil's advocate angels advocate, <laughs> right? So I can have an optimistic, sunny, uh, look forward as to what's going on here under the Trump administration. And I came to the conclusion that maybe just maybe a cannabis crackdown is exactly the kick in the ass. The marijuana movement needs the marijuana industry needs and the Congress needs to finally put prohibition to bed. Here, let me, let me explain. First of all, in Congress, you got that uh, 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 new Bill That was just dropped by the Republican from Virginia uh, to remove marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act. Now that just returns it back to the states for them to deal with it. And why I think this cannabis crackdown could help that is because really. Marijuana prohibition, like like people will point out these polls, 60% of the American public supports legalization. 73% of the public says the federal government should keep their hands off. 93% of the public supports medical marijuana, right? That's the latest poll. There's 59% for legalization in that poll. But those are the latest numbers, right? But those numbers are shallow numbers. And what I mean by that is, while the support is broad, the enthusiasm for it is shallow. Like, very few people are going to change their votes or call a congressman or get angry about marijuana policy. Now, you and I will. That's We live and breathe this stuff, sure. But even if every pot smoker were as engaged as you and me, that's still only 12% of the public. And believe me, not every pot smoker is as engaged as you and I are. So we're this small mi- minority. But... If the Trump administration goes forward with an unpopular cannabis crackdown, starts shutting down places in Colorado and Oregon and Washington, and the state's rights-minded voters, the conservatives in those states start saying, whoa, wait a minute, I don't like pot, but I don't like the federal government messing around with my state more. I hate that worse. It'd be like the Idaho situation where the Idaho Senate voted they'd never legalize pot. But when they had a second resolution to call on the federal government to enforce federal law in the states that did, they voted that down. So perhaps a cannabis crackdown pisses off enough conservatives in the legal states and in the medical states that they lead the charge in the Congress to remove marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act. Because... If you're a conservative from Virginia or Alabama or Tennessee or wherever the hell you're from that doesn't have legalization, supporting that isn't going to make pot legal in your state. It'll still be quite illegal in your state, but it will stop the federal government from interfering with Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and so on. So maybe, just maybe, a cannabis crackdown could uh, increase the depth of support, deepen, that's the word I was looking for, could deepen the support for marijuana as well as how broad it is, right? Could motivate more people to motivate more politicians to be on our side. And maybe just maybe a cannabis crackdown is the kick in the ass that the cannabis industry needs. There are some good actors out there in the cannabis industry that do give back to the community that sponsor, uh, uh, reform organizations and reform conferences and educational uh, outreach and 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 charities and and such and they give free medicine to vets or to the poor there's there are plenty of good actors out there but not quite enough especially when it comes to donating back to the drug reform organizations our think tanks that are going to help convince these lawmakers and help write these laws. Giving back to Drug Policy Alliance, Normal, Marijuana Policy Project, National Cannabis Industries Association, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, Law Enforcement Action Partnership, Marijuana Majority, give to them all. I mean, every other industry has their own think tanks. The petroleum industry has, you know, the American Petroleum Institute, the, the, the uh, uh, energy industry has theirs, the uh, 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 healthcare, pharma. They all have their own little think tanks. Why our industry is so lacking in donating to ours escapes me. But if the federal government starts going after their profits, starts shutting down their markets, maybe just maybe that's the kick in the ass they'll need to start kicking some money down. to the the marijuana and drug reform organizations. And maybe, just maybe, a cannabis crackdown is the kick in the ass that cannabis consumers need. That those of us in the West who've gotten complacent, who are resting on our laurels, who are happy that we've got our pop shop, we've got our legal home grow... And have lost enthusiasm for the cause or who haven't reached out to try to help a neighboring state or to, or to advocate for a bill somewhere across the country because we got ours. Maybe if our pot shops get shut down, that's the kick in the ass we'll need to get back on that phone and call our local city council and call our state representatives and call our national elected officials and demand that this go back that this be ended, that this prohibition stop. Maybe people that had lived under prohibition long enough didn't recognize what they were missing but now that we've had legalization and they try to put us back under prohibition, maybe, just maybe, that'll make the people mad enough to finally overturn this federal prohibition once and for all. That's my optimistic take. That's my Angels Advocates View. <laughs> Let's hope that one comes true. For everyone here at Delta Nine Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. Live listeners, stay tuned for our two podcasters. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. You're it, you're it, you roll it, you're you smoking.
0: You take a seat, you plant it. You grow it, you're it, you roll it, you're smoking. You take a seat, you plant it.